Pro Group Management. Workers' Comp that works for you. Welcome to Nevada Newsmakers on the broadcast today. Some exciting news from Bernard Rowe. He is the president of Iron Air USA. They're mining lithium at Rhyolite Ridge, hopefully within the next year. Love and luck are in the air at Carson Valley Inn. $1,000 winners guaranteed every drawing night, up to $7,500 every Saturday, and $15,000 in grand prize giveaways Friday, March 31st. It's the Love and Luck Giveaways at the Carson Valley Inn. Big R in Sparks is located on Bering Boulevard next to Smith's and across from Reed High School. It's a 50,000 square foot hardware store and a whole lot more. It's huge with clothing, power equipment, tools, and of course, hardware. Big R is located on Bering Boulevard in Sparks next to Smith's and opposite Reed High School. Big R, hardware and a whole lot more. The Do It Right guys at Nevada Heating have one mission. Your furnace breaks down today, we fix it today. Why freeze for days while your furnace is down when Nevada Heating can get the job done today and you can get warm again? For nearly 50 years, locally owned Nevada Heating has been getting the job done right. Call today at 323-5585 and we'll fix it today. That's 323-5585 or online at nevadaheating.com. Save money and take transit. Did you know you can ride the bus all day for less than what it would cost you for a gallon of gas? Plan your trip now by going to rtcwashoe.com. Nevada Newsmakers Studio is located at the headquarters of the Nevada Trucking Association. Motion and purpose are a truck's greatest virtue. This is Nevada Newsmakers with host Sam Shad, a no-holds-barred political forum. Now, from the Nevada Newsmakers Broadcast Headquarters, here is Sam Shad. And back on Nevada Newsmakers, we're pleased to welcome back to the program Bernard Rowe. He is the president of Iron Ear USA Corporation, have their lithium mine in Rhyolite Ridge. A lot of exciting things have happened since the last time you were here. Share some of the positive things that have been going on. Yeah, thank you, Sam, and uh, great to be back on the show. Um, yes, we've had probably, I would, I would describe it as the most uh, productive few months of in the history of the company. So f firstly, late last year, we received the notice of intent from the BLM, which allowed our per the permitting process to move into NEPA. Uh, we have two which of is the National uh, Environmental uh, Protection Act. And so um, that that's the key permit that we are still yet to obtain. We have uh, air permits and water uh, pollution control permits. But we need it, we need the um, the permit from the BLM, which is called a mine plan of operation, and uh, before we can we need that before we can commence construction. So in December of 2022, the BLM uh, recorded uh, in the register this notice of intent to have our mine plan of operation move through this NEPA process uh, to assess it, to examine uh, and analyse the impacts of the project and ultimately they've said that they intend to make a decision uh, on that mine plan of operation early next year, sort of January 2023. Uh, uh, no, you mean sorry, 2024? Sorry, January 2024. Sorry. I was, I was going to say otherwise we're back we're, to the we're future back, here. Yes, <laughs> not, not um, quite. And, and uh, you know, I, I would say that uh, at this point you would have to be pretty optimistic 
with the way things have been moving from the federal government all the way back to the state, um, that this is going to occur. Yes, we are very optimistic because I think we've listened to the concerns that have been raised around the project, whether that be uh, concerns from the local community, of which we have a very good relationship with the Fish Lake Valley local community and we've been engaging with them now for many years. So addressing those concerns, addressing the concerns of tribal nations and, and addressing concerns around environmental sensitivities, including Teams Buckwheat. You know, we've been working hard on all of those things for many years now and hence we are confident that we can see this project move ahead through the permitting process and commence construction in 2024. Okay, so if, uh, if NEPA passes through, um, at that point, how many construction jobs are you looking at? Uh, well, during the construction phase, which is about two years, it'll be about 500 uh, jobs at the site, uh, direct jobs related to the construction. And then once we've completed the construction and into um, ramp up and commercial production, it's going to be somewhere around 250 to 300 direct uh, jobs uh, down in Esmeralda County. Okay, and that will, which will what, double the population of Esmeralda County? <laughs> uh, yes, it is a very sparse population. And, and we're not expecting everyone's going to live in Esmeralda County who are working on this project. Uh, so we, we were expecting that we will draw people from a number of uh, nearby locations, Esmeralda and Fish Lake Valley being one, but um, the other neighbouring counties as well and towns. And then some people will also, of course, um, drive in, drive out to the site, I'm sure. So, you know, we're, we're trying to sort of manage that and, and spread the people around as much as we can. And we've been doing, again, a lot of work in the background on planning for that alongside um, you know, Fleur, our engineering partner, uh, in, in developing strategies and plans so we have a smooth transition, as, as smooth as possible anyway, in, in bringing that number of people into a, a very small community. Okay, so what about housing? Because, what, what you know, I mean, at this point, obviously you are planning for the future because the future is staring you in the face. So, so what about housing? Uh, again, so I think we, we, we're managing that by spreading the people and the jobs around so that we're not going to put all the people in one location. And so by putting them in uh, and having people access uh, the site from two or three or even four uh, nearby towns, and I'm talking about Tonopah, Hawthorne, Dyer, etc., and, and other towns, then you know the, the the undertaking is then not so great in any one specific place but you know obviously there will be need for additional construction of housing for those people no, no question so we're we're working again with partners to try and address that as we move closer to the to the time in which we're, they'll need to be in place so this is very exciting as far as economic development for rural nevada is concerned oh yes absolutely um you know i'm, I'm sure it's the biggest economic, or it will be, the biggest economic development that Esmeralda County has ever seen. Um, Even beyond the gold rush? I think so, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, uh, obviously uh, the, the gold rush of the, you know, the late 1800s and early 1900s has had a very significant impact on this part of Nevada. I mean, you can see that in the beautiful buildings like the, the Mizpah Hotel in Tonopah as an example and some of the old hotels in Goldfield, which have been beautifully restored, I might say, some of them. Um, but nevertheless, no, I think Rhyolite Ridge 
will have a larger economic impact, more jobs, and more importantly, for a much longer period of time because you know gold rushes did tend to come and go reasonably quickly and Tonopah Goldfield was fairly late in the gold rush period and so it was fairly short-lived. Whereas we're talking about a resource at Rhyolite Ridge that can last several generations. Um, so it's going to be a significant economic contributor, the economic contributor, to the county and the neighbouring counties, I think, for many, many years to come. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back more with Bernard Rowe from Ioneer after this timeout. What do you count on? You count on your power every day. At NV Energy, we've always powered what's important to you, but we're not looking at the past. We're focused on the future. While our standards are high, our rates will remain low. And our commitment to renewables isn't just meeting standards, but leading the way. Because you can count on more than just your power. You can count on the company who brings it to you. That's our promise. You can count on it. Safety is the number one priority for the trucking industry. Over $7 billion a year is spent on technology like this electronic eye that will apply the brakes automatically. But the most important factor for safety is the truck driver. These hardworking men and women who safely move over 70% of our nation's freight and 94% of Nevada's. We thank you because trucks move America forward. Pro Group Management specializes in providing industries with the necessary components to satisfy and exceed workers' comp requirements. Every business has unique needs and specific regulations. Pro Group Management stays ahead of the curve, providing up-to-date services to keep your industry in top form. Discover how we simplify your tasks, improve efficiency, and reduce expense to keep you moving in a positive direction. Pro Group Management. Workers' comp that works for you. Like a traditional handmade basket, retail is woven into the fabric of life in Nevada. From big box to mom and pop, retail supports our communities in countless ways. Jobs for the disabled, team uniforms for kids, help for the elderly, and so much more. Retail employs over 1 in 10 workers. Retail supports Nevada, and we support retail. R-A-N-N-V dot org. This is Nevada Newsmakers. And back on Nevada Newsmakers, we continue our conversation with Bernard Rowe. He is the president of Ioneer USA Corp. They have the lithium mine at Rhyolite Ridge, which hopefully is going to proceed next year with the actual construction phase. The federal government jumped in and uh, uh, explained what the exciting news was from them. Yeah, that was the second big milestone of the last couple of months. So we were successful in being offered a conditional loan from the what's called the Loan Programs Office, part of the Department of Energy. And that was for a loan, a conditional loan of up to $700 million uh, to provide the debt that's required to build the Rhyolite Ridge project. So uh, when you combine that with what we or have already put in place with our partner in the project, which is Sabunia Stillwater, operator of the Stillwater mine in Montana, we have effectively we have 1.2 billion dollars, uh, conditional, albeit, but uh, available to us for this project. You know, subject to all the conditions, the permitting, and etc., and, and other conditions. But um, it puts us in a fantastic position that once we do get this final permit, that we will actually be ready to 
you know, commence construction. Okay, so, so is the, con the main part of the conditional the NEPA? That, that's the, probably the biggest uh, condition, yes, but there are multiple conditions. So, you know, there's other conditions around for the debt that the, if the, one of the conditions for the debt is that you have the equity and one of the conditions for the equity is that you have the debt. So, you know, they're, they're intertwined, okay, but, um, and there's many other conditions as well, but the key ones are around that you've got the full permitting in place and that you've got the full funding in place. And we're well positioned for that with the 1.2 billion available to us. Okay, is that enough to get the mine off the ground? We think so, um, but we caveat that, caveat that by saying that we need to do an updated estimate around the cost for the, op the capex, capital costs, and also the operating costs. Now, why do we need to do an updated estimate? It's because the estimate that we have currently have was dated 2020, and obviously things have changed quite a lot. Yes, yeah, from then. an inflation point of view. Exactly. Um, and even parts of the project have been modified along the way. You know, f f we've changed the design of the pit, etc., to uh, avoid uh, some of the uh, environmental sensitivities of the area, things like that. So there's been a number of changes. So before we make what's called a final investment decision, that's where our board uh, make a final decision to invest and commence uh, building and construction, we need to provide an updated uh, estimate. So this is normal course of business for a mining company that's looking to build a project. Well, that's one of the conditions of the DOE loan as well, that we provide that updated information to the Department of Energy. Um, okay, so, so what kind of issues have come up um, beyond just building concerns with uh, supply chain problems, things like that? What do you think by the time you commence construction that will be through that? Yeah, we are seeing, uh, we are seeing improvements uh, in those areas. So I think if you'd asked me that question last year, I would say we saw lots of supply chain issues and, and rising costs, particularly around uh, transportation and seaborne uh, freight. Uh, but many other things, prices of steel, etc. And we use a lot of steel in a project like this to build, uh, and and many other things. And we've seen most of those prices have come off considerably now, uh, including the shipping and transportation costs. So we think by the time we are ready, and you know the, this final investment decision that I'm talking about, that won't be made until next year, so 2024, once we have the permitting in place. Um, we, we think that we will see con prices continue to come off. And so only then, once we've done that final um, update of our feasibility study and our capex and opex estimates, only then will we know. But we, what we can say is that $1.2 billion puts us in a very, very strong position to ensure this project gets built. What do you think um, the final cost is going to be? Well, again, that's something that I, I really, I'm, you know, uh, I won't, I don't know, and I can't answer that question specifically. But I think that, you know, we, we, we you know, our original estimate was 800 million. That was tw 2020, so that's, you know, three years ago. It'll be four when years ago by the time we get to it. So it's go it's going to be more than that, no question. But probably under two billion dollars. Oh uh, yes, absolutely. And with the way that that lithium is going uh, in terms of EVs, electric vehicles, um, it seems like that would not be a huge amount of investment money to gain once you've got your permits. No, I... Now, of uh, course, that's easy for me to say, so, and, no, and, no, but, but you're the guy who's got to sell it, right? Sure, absolutely. But uh, no, I can say with some confidence that we don't see the 
the capital, whatever that final number ends up being, we do not see that as a, a hurdle, that, as a difficult hurdle for this project. The economics will be robust enough to um, support whatever that final estimate number uh, is. Now, um, but I'll caveat that by saying that I don't have those final numbers today. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm confident around that and, and I'm also confident that when, with the Department of Energy loan that we have been offered, conditional, uh, we went through about two years of due diligence from when we first applied to that loan to when we were offered it in mid-January of this year. Two years of due diligence, probably five or six different consultants plus the Department of Energy themselves all reviewing all aspects of this project and modelling and using various pricing assumptions and testing for increased capex, increased opex, higher consumable prices, lower and higher lithium and boron prices in our case because as you know we have boron at this sure. site. And with all of that work that they did, they've come up and said well this project can support $700 million, but otherwise they would not have offered it to us. So that, that gives you a guide as to you know, the economics uh, of this project as perceived by the Department of Energy, that it's well, It's kind of like enough. a gold seal. Well, yes. I mean, I mean, you know, <laughs> if, if I'm going for uh, investment, because you're not going to be, I'm presuming, not particularly going to be looking for loans, but investors, um, <laughs> when you hold up that, um, that's a pretty good sign that this is a good investment. Plus well, the fact that, I mean, what, whatever you produce is already sold. Well, I mean, it's not literally right. this minute, but I mean, it will be. Well, it is. in our case, 80% of our lithium is already committed and it's staying in the United States and it's going into Ford uh, cars manufactured, obviously, here, Toyota cars to be manufactured here, uh, and, and some other makes as well through our other partners. I, I just want to mention, though, Sam, um, so that I don't forget uh, the, you know, how what a milestone it was for us to get this offer from the DOE and how, what a, I guess I could describe it as a, a very pleasant experience to work closely with the loan programs office, um, Jigashar and his team. I mean, that, that was a fantastic process that we went through. It did take a long time. It was a lot of work, but, but ultimately what they offered was, I've mentioned the 700 million, but just as important is the terms of that loan. So it's a 10 year loan and the interest rate is 10-year treasury rates, same as you know, US government treasury right. rates. So it's way, way cheaper money funding than you, we could possibly get from anywhere else. Um, and so that makes this project, it's a far, far more attractive financing proposition when you compare it to the alternatives that are, that are out there for a, for a greenfields mining operation. Well, and also I think it shows that the Biden administration understands the need for this resource and is, has directed the Department of Energy and uh, Jennifer Granholm uh, to make this happen. Uh, otherwise, it wouldn't be happening. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it does show very much a, a commitment and a recognition of, of a problem. I think that we've been talking about for quite some time around building domestic supply chain and and, and, and moving away from over-reliance on, on foreign sources, friendly or otherwise. Um, you know, the, the country needs and the, U and the car market needs domestic materials to make batteries. That's the bottom line. And yes, we, we're seeing plenty of evidence of concrete action by the Biden administration to, to address that, that problem. All right, let's take another break. We'll be back with Bernard Rowe after this timeout.
Imagine a magical garden that feeds Carson City's hungry and homeless, teaches our high school students agriculture, creates hanging floral displays to beautify downtown, and yet charges nothing. It's not magic. It's the Greenhouse Project. It's real, it's growing, and it needs your help. Go online to carsoncitygreenhouse.org so together we can grow it forward. As you know, Reno is booming. Toll's development company is helping it grow with insightful design and development, building community with every project, adding beauty, adding excitement, emphasizing our shared humanity. Reno is becoming bigger. Toll's development is helping it become better, more livable, more enjoyable. To learn more, go to tollsdevelopment.com, tollsdevelopment.com. Hi, I'm Renee Summerauer, digital news anchor here at 7 at 7. Watch our streaming nonstop newscast immediately with your mobile phone. 7 at 7 is the new way for you to get every bit of local news you need in just seven minutes. Breaking news, local neighborhood news, weather, and sports are just a click away. Reporters bring you all of what's happening in the Valley. From Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, YouTube, and more. Get every bit of local news you need from the RJ and LVRJ.com. Ryan Culpa Photography was born in the rolling hills of Massachusetts, and now he can help you experience the stunning beauty of Nevada in a whole new way through the power of flight. Flying has always been a passion for Brian, and at Brian Culpa Photography, he can make your imagination soar. Brian has the creative mind and tools to tell your unique story. Experience the bird's eye view at briancolpaphotography.com. This is Nevada Newsmakers. And back on Nevada Newsmakers, we continue our conversation with Bernard Rowe. He is the president of Ioneer USA Corporation. Uh, with luck, uh, 2024 will be the start of building at Rhyolite Ridge. Um, it's amazing that you've already accounted for 80% of your production. Um, and you must have been a little bemused by the Chinese balloon floating across the country um, that freaked out everybody until they blew it up off the coast. Um, that, you know, it just brought home the fact that, you know, we can't have China as a reliable partner for lithium, which is such an important item for this country. Yes, that's right. I, I, and I, I think it's, you know, it, it goes beyond China. I think in the case of the battery materials and battery supply chain, we don't want to have one, any one country uh, responsible for the supply of 70 or 80 percent of the materials that are, that are so critical to energy transition and transportation. Um, and you know, China does, that, that's the reality. It does dominate in this area and has built up that dominance over several decades and we need to address that so that we're not reliant on, so reliant on one country. And actually it's a similar situation for boron because uh, you know, as you know, Rhyolite Ridge will be also a boron producer and something like 73 or 4% of the world's boron reserves are in Turkey. Now that's not a great situation either, regardless of where the country is and what the status of that country and the security of that supply is, it just doesn't make sense and it's dangerous to have an over-reliance on any one particular country for something that's so critical. Lithium and boron are both critical to the United States. The United States is a cons large consumer of both of them 
and they are critical to energy transition. Okay, so um, beyond you know electric vehicles are what most people think about in terms of lithium, uh, but but lithium is so much more than that, correct? Well, it is. Um, it is used in many other applications. I mean, the, the large growth that we keep on hearing about, that is in batteries for electric cars, but those same batteries are used in static storage, so storage at homes. Uh, they are used in renewable uh, power sources like solar and wind farms that have to store the power so they can be used when there isn't any wind or there's no sun shining. So that's what, what we call static storage. Um, li but lithium actually is even used in the glass industry, just like boron is. So uh, you'll find that your, the glass on your phones and your iPads and things like that, not only does it have boron in it, it also has lithium in the glass. So um, yes, it's, it's used in a myriad of other industries as well, but the big growth is coming from the, from the uh, lithium ion battery area. Um, do you see the potential for more mining in the state of Nevada? Um, uh, to be beneficial um, in the coming years? Yes, I do. Um, and, and, you know, particularly, I mean, my focus, of course, is, is the battery metals, and so particularly lithium, but I think there's also, you know, excellent potential for copper and, and other metals here in the state of Nevada. But I, but I definitely can see, um, you know, m multiple sources of lithium being mined, extracted, refined in the state of Nevada. and. You know, I think there's a tremendous opportunity, which is being recognised by both federal and state governments, to make Nevada a very much a, the US sort of a centre of not only the raw material supply, but the refining and the, and the purification and then ultimately the manufacturing of battery components, cathodes as we call them, and the batteries themselves. So Well, yes. and beyond that, the recycling of them. Absolutely, I mean, recycling. It's, it's it's nose to tail. <laughs> exactly, <And laughs> to so, use a cooking term. Yeah, no, it is. And and actually, one thing that I find really interesting in the recycling area is people think of recycling as recycling a, a battery, you know, like a cylindrical battery, and you have to pull it apart. But actually, that's only a small part, really, of the recycling because when you're manufacturing batteries, there's a lot of the precursor material that goes into those batteries fails to meet spec. So you might have sheets of material that would go into a battery but never get into the battery because they do not meet the spec. What happens to those? They get recycled. So it's more than just about recycling of the actual battery after it's being used. It's the rejected material in the manufacturing process. So by definition, if you are manufacturing batteries here, you want to be recycling all that material. Otherwise, you're sending, sending it away somewhere else to do, for that to be done, which makes no sense at all. No, it doesn't. Congratulations on where you are. Fingers crossed for the upcoming year and look forward to having you back on the show many times to talk about this. What a great uh, company and we're fingers crossed. Thank you, Sam. Pleasure uh, to be on. Thank you, sir. And we just have one last comment here, which is we're losing a crew member today. Justin Astor has been with us for a long time. He's heading off to Vegas and we're sorry to lose him, but we thank him for all his hard work. And we'll be right back. Modern Boutique Ahern Hotel and Event Center sits at the heart of the Las Vegas Strip. Two floors of meeting and event space are ideal for groups and conventions. Stay in one of 200 luxurious rooms and suites. Brand your event throughout the property. Flexible event spaces make for easy planning and personalization. Take over the entire hotel with a full buyout option.
snorkel personnel lifts are engineered beyond the industry norm to an uncommon level of safety and durability and with an eye towards sustainability. They're also designed to be simple to operate and maintain. Snorkel, always at the cutting edge of progress. As always, you can watch Nevada Newsmakers 24 hours a day at NevadaNewsmakers.com. We'll see you on the next show.